0: Good morning, Spring Branch. Good to see you all today. Uh, We're up close and personal, if you haven't noticed, uh, this morning. We're going to try something different this summer. Um, We're so close, you can probably see that I just spilled water all over my pants uh, right before I got up here, so we're off to a great start. Uh, But uh, it's going to be a great few weeks together this summer. We're studying the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm really, really excited. I'm honored that Michael... Uh, has entrusted me to preach a summer-long series, and I'm just anticipating God doing something really, really special in our midst today. Uh, Just to give you uh, a quick summary of what we'll be talking about, I wanna lay the groundwork for the series. We'll be talking about uh, the Holy Spirit and what it means to live God's way or our way, and then we'll dive into the fruit of love towards the end of the message, and then my goal at the end of every message this summer is to hear from one of you. So I may be calling you, I may be texting you and asking you if you would come up here and for five minutes share what that fruit means to you in your life. And so this morning, we have an opportunity to hear from from one of you, and I'll keep it suspenseful. Uh, I won't tell you who it is yet, but uh, it's going to be really, really cool. 35,000, 35,000, 35,000. What's that number mean, 35,000? If you Google how many decisions, conscious decisions we make, On any given day, apparently we make around 35,000 decisions every day. Uh, Hard to believe, uh, but big, medium, small decisions, we make them every day. Uh, We had a very, very important decision, a life-altering, game-changing decision that we made the other day. Check it out. Yep, that's right we had to decide what soccer ball we were gonna purchase. And there's my son, Rhett. Life decisions, I posted this on uh, our Insta story and it said life decisions, dot, dot, dot. uh, So it could be which soccer ball we uh, wanna buy, it could be what we're gonna have for breakfast or lunch or dinner, Um, or it could be where to move, where to live, what house to buy, what job to have, how to spend our money. What's a need, what's a want, uh, who to marry, who to have a relationship with. Um, it, It ranges, right? We have all kinds of decisions that we make every single day. How many of us have experienced what Emily Freeman, author Emily Freeman, calls decision fatigue? Decision fatigue, you're like, oh my gosh, I got all these decisions I gotta make. Small, medium, and large, every day. Lindsay and I call it adulting. If we could just sit by the pool every day with our feet up and not make any more uh, life-altering decisions, that'd be great. But it's about being an adult. It's about being human. It's about living and breathing in this life. It's all about making decisions. At the end of the day, we're we're panting. We're out of breath because we have decision fatigue. How do we make decisions? What do we say yes to? What do we say no to? And I think the reality is, is that what's more important than the decisions we make is the person we're becoming. What's more important than the decisions we make is the person that we are, the person that we're becoming. The truth is, every decision that we make is like a seed that we're planting. Every decision we make is like a seed that we plant. Oh wow, fit perfectly, that's amazing. Every day we have decisions we make and each decision is like a seed that we plant. And God has given us the freedom, he's given us the will to make decisions. Every day we have the choice because we serve a loving God who didn't create robots, he created people, he created us with the freedom to make decisions, to choose to live his way or to choose to live our way. I believe that all of life's decisions really boil down to one decision. I mean, how great would it be just to have one decision that would impact the rest of our decisions, that would make the rest of our decisions a little simpler? Anybody want that? If it could just be boiled down to one simple question, this is what it would be, I believe. Am I living God's way or my way? Am I living God's way or my way? Every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade of our life, we're confronted with difficult decisions. But I believe the question remains, are we going to live our way or God's way? Am I gonna do what pleases myself or am I gonna do what pleases God? That's really what it boils down to, for being honest. And so every day we have a bucket of seeds, and we have a choice to plant a seed that will bear fruit. The seed that we plant today will come up tomorrow. What matters more than the decisions we make is the person we're becoming. Are the series of decisions that we've made up until now, June 16, 2019, all the decisions accumulated to now have created the person that we are, right? All the seeds we planted thus far in our lives, we look ourselves in the mirror right here and right now, and we see the fruit that our decisions have produced. Some of you are like, ooh, <laughs> look at the mirror. We can bear good fruit, or we can bear not so good fruit. We have a choice. We serve a loving God who created us with the freedom to choose. Galatians 5:13 says this: Paul says to the Church of Galatia to these new believers, he's pretty much saying, "Hey, God has forgiven you. He has set you free. You're no longer justified by obeying the law. You're justified by my grace." And justify, the kind of a funny way to think of it is. Uh, It's just as if I'd never sinned, right? It's just as if I'd never sinned. Because of his grace, through faith, it's just as if I'd never sinned. We are justified, though, not by a set of rules, because, hello, we cannot follow all the rules. That's why God sent his son Jesus to set us free from being enslaved to the law. We've been set free to live free. As Troy saying earlier, no more shame, no more guilt. We've been set free from being enslaved to this law, this heavy, burdensome law. And as Christians, we can live a life of freedom because we know that even if we stumble and fall, we have forgiveness and grace, amen? Paul reminds the Christians in Galatia of this. He says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. So you're forgiven, you're accepted. Every day, clean slate, fresh start, new beginning. But it's not an excuse to go send your brains out, right? God loves me anyway, I'm going to live however I want. I'm going to plant whatever I seed I want to plant. No. God has given us grace. He's given us forgiveness so that we will live in freedom. When God loved us so much, how much much more do we want to just live for him and what pleases him and plant seeds that please him and live his way as opposed to our way? I think the first kind of seed that we can plant when we're faced with difficult decisions is a seed of fear. If we're not careful, we can be compelled by fear in all of our decisions. Well, what's that mean, you might ask? In all of our yeses and all of our nos throughout the day, we can be compelled by fear. We can be driven by a fear of failure. We can be driven by a fear of being misunderstood. That's, that's one of my fears sometimes. We can be driven by a fear A failure, being a fear of being misunderstood, a fear of losing control, and I think we all can agree that there are certain places in our life where we're kind of control freaks, (laughs) you know, we like this little, this little square inch over here to be nice and pretty, and we're going to build a hedge of protection around it because we like the comfort and the safety and security that it provides, we like to control our surroundings and manage our expectations, and But oftentimes, we make decisions based on fear. And it's selfish. If you really dig at the root of it, it's selfish. Because we're choosing to live our way as opposed to God's way. And we plant these seeds every day, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our finances. We plant these seeds of selfishness where we're choosing our way. And we're living in fear because we're all about ourselves. We wanna make sure that our life is a certain way and feels a certain way. We don't want any discomfort, any inconvenience to interfere. If we're not careful, we can plant seeds of fear and choose our way as opposed to God's way. So what happens when we plant a seed of fear? Well, we'll produce some fruit, all right, but it may not be the kind of fruit we want. Galatians 5.19, Paul says this, and this is from the message version. He says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way, seeds of fear, all the time. Now if you read ESV or NIV, the, 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 the Greek language more accurately is the works of the flesh. You're probably familiar with that if you've read any of Galatians or Romans. It's the works of the flesh. It's just... It's me, 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 right? It's what feels good to me all the time, and that's how I'm going to make decisions. The works of the flesh. Choosing our way over God's way. So what are some examples of this fruit? Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. That's what the Bible says. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Let that marinate for a second. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Garbage, stinking thinking is what I call it sometimes. Gandhi said, don't let anybody walk around in your brain with muddy feet, yeah? An accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Guilty, frenzied and a joyless grab for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition. We're planting seeds of fear, we're insecure. And when we're insecure, we're jealous of others. We compare ourselves to others. And we're always walking around eggshells, competing against other people, and feel insecure about ourselves. All-consuming, yet never satisfied wants. How many of you just have that that gap, that hole in your heart that you're just trying to fill all the time with stuff. And it may give you immediate gratification, but then you find yourself trying to fill the same hole the next day. All consuming, yet never satisfied wants. And he goes on, verse 20, a brutal temper. When we lose control, we get angry. An impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. This is all the fruit of planting seeds of fear. Works of the flesh. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Hmm. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this through the Message Translation. I mean, just when you think that you're off the hook, you read the next example and you're like, ooh, yep, that guilty. It's important that we look ourselves in the mirror, isn't it? I mean, we are fallen, sinful, screwed up, messed up human beings who are desperately in need of a savior. All the other religions call it mistakes. That's why they don't need Jesus as their savior. But if we're looking at each other in the eye, and if we are looking, looking, looking at ourselves in the mirror, we know that we are missing the target. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul has these lists that cause us to look in the mirror and think, okay, I've been planting some seeds of fear. I'm experiencing some bad fruit in my life. Okay, so what do I do? What do we do? When We need to feel a sense of desperation, don't we? I mean, do you see a need? Do you see a need to right the ship? Do you see a need for a savior in your life? So what happens when we choose to live God's way, when we choose to plant seeds of faith? Faith over fear. I mean, how many of us want to be released from all all the fruit that's produced from the seeds of fear? What happens when we choose to live God's way and plant seeds of faith? When we choose to please God, when we choose to to glorify Him with our lives, when we're confronted with difficult decisions and we ask, okay, God, what do you require? How will you be glorified? And it may not be the comfortable, convenient, safe way. It may not be popular. It may not make sense to others but it makes sense to God and who he wants you to be because remember, what's more important than the decisions we make is the person that we're becoming. Let's read Galatians 5.22. But, Paul says, and it's like this sense of relief. It's like, okay, Paul, give me some good news here. But the fruit... The fruit, let's stop right there. In the Greek, fruit is karpos, karpos. And it sounds plural, but it's actually singular. And and we're not talking about the fruits of the Spirit. If you read the passage, it says the fruit of the Spirit is, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Okay, so this is really important to listen to. It's singular because it's a total package deal, right? There's one fruit. Yes, there's nine fruit in this list that we'll read, but there's one fruit. And we have an all access VIP backstage pass total package deal to all this fruit if we choose to live God's way. If we choose to please him, if we're walking in step with him, But the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit is this Greek word, pneuma, and it's the breath of God. It's the breath of God breathing into us and through us every day. The choices that we make, the words that we use, how we interact with our spouse or our significant other or our friends or our neighbors or our coworkers, it's the breath of God through us. His pneuma, his breath through us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's this agape love. The Greek word is agape. You may have heard of it. It's this never stopping, never breaking, always and forever, unconditional, covenantal love. It's not this contractual love that's this hypothetical, if this happens, then maybe we won't have any agape love anymore. But it's this promise, it's this vow, it's this permanent, in blood love that God has given us. And our response is to give that love to others. Eugene Peterson in the message translates love here, affection for others, affection for others. Joy, and exuberance about life. Peace, a serenity. Patience, a willingness to stick with things kindness, a sense of compassion in the heart, goodness, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people, faithfulness, involved in loyal commitments, gentleness, not needing to force our way in life, self-control, how many of us need a little bit more of that, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. I like how Eugene Peterson put that. And in the weeks to come, we'll dive deeper into into each of the fruit here. Remember, it's one fruit, carpos, singular. This is the fruit that we gain access to and we walk in the Spirit. Speaking of that, Galatians 5.25 says this. Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. We're going to keep in step with the spirit here, okay? Step with the spirit. Step with the spirit. Any excuse to dance, all right? I'm going to find it. Step with the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Come on. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Walk. In the spirit, step in the spirit. Serve in Promised Land, serve in Rock City. Finish strong financially, help us reach our goal. Hey, in the spirit, step in the spirit. Expect the best in your spouse, be slow to anger, don't judge others. Step in the spirit. Okay, that's enough. All right, okay. So if you hear a beat this week, if you're driving in the car or whatever, just step in the spirit. What if we were in sync with the spirit? What if the spirit was so much in us that we can't help but walk in the spirit when we make decisions and we make choices. It's like it's almost like we've already made the decision at that crucial moment of decision, we've already made a decision. Because up to that point, we've been walking in the spirit. So it just makes sense to pull over and talk to the homeless guy. It makes sense to to pay for uh, the person in uniform's meal. That's what Michael did the other day at Shake Shack. Great spot over there uh, across, across the highway, salted caramel shake. I highly recommend it. But we were over there as a staff the other day, and Michael, just is just a natural thing for him, and I appreciate that about him. He's very generous, and he just went over to this guy in uniform and just paid for his meal. It, was just, it just made sense, because he was in step with the Spirit. We will be generous to others. We will make time for people. We will give generously in our finances. It'll just make sense. It'll be instinctual. Love will be an instinct because we're walking in step with the Spirit. So how? The question is how? How do we walk in step with the Spirit? How do we get all this fruit in our lives? How is it possible? Well, we can't produce the fruit. We can't, we can't produce the fruit. We can't look at the ground and yell at it and say, fruit right now, you know? That's kinda silly. We can't do that. We don't have the ability to produce the fruit. but we do have the ability to do is plant the right seed. We have given the ability by a loving God, he's given us the freedom and the will to plant a seed of faith over a seed of fear. And I believe the key that unlocks all of this, Sunday school answer, everybody, is Jesus. Jesus. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, he is the true vine. If you read the rest of the passage, he says, I am the true vine. There are a lot of poser vines out there, right? A lot of poser vines out there, whether it's, on oh, my job, or uh, promotion, or a relationship, there are a lot of people that claim to be the source of our security, that claim to be the source of our identity, that claim to be the source of our happiness, a thing, a, a person, or a place. And Jesus says, wait, 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 wait a minute. Don't look to those things for fulfillment or satisfaction. Look to me, I am the true vine. I am the source of all that you need. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches spring branch. Each of us are spring branches. Together we make spring branch. Whoever abides in me, everybody says abide. Abide in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. That's pretty clear. (laughs) Whoever abides in me, this word means remain. It means be connected. It means making Jesus your home. If you're abiding in something, you're making making something your home, your place of safety and security. You're choosing that person to kind of reign over you and lord over you and rule you in a good way. I mean, how many of us are so connected to the true source of strength, Jesus, that we'll just never go back? Every choice and decision we make, it's so clear what to do because we want to please God, and we're living out of his strength. What does it mean to abide? It means getting on your knees every morning before your creator and saying, God, I cannot live this day apart from your strength. I mean, how ridiculous of, of, is it of us to think that we can go through any given day as a parent, as a friend, as a brother, or a sister? How ridiculous, how absurd is is us thinking that we can live apart from the strength of Jesus, apart from the source. One phrase I hear a lot in our house is, Dad, it's broken. It's broken. And my daughter comes up to me with with the Kindle, and she says, Dad, it's broken. It's broken. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not broken. You just gotta plug it in. It needs some power. Some of us feel so broken that we feel Powerless. Maybe something has happened to us. Maybe, uh, maybe, something, maybe somebody told something to us and we just feel like we're broken and useless. Are we plugging ourselves in? That's all we gotta do is plug ourselves in to the power, to the Holy Spirit. How much more will God do in us and through us if we just plug ourselves in? Abide in him, read his word, jump into a small group. Have a daily ongoing conversation with the Lord. Go for a walk in his creation on the beach. I was talking to uh, my friend Bob the other day and he and I go for walks on the beach uh, way too early. I, I didn't think the world existed at that hour. Uh, but I go on walks with the beach on the beach with him and we take a picture of the sunrise before we start walking. And he's like, he. this is where you start your day. And he tells me he does it every single day. But he'll get on his knees right there in the sand and he'll just sing us some songs and just pray to the Lord. And it's like, I cannot go through my day without abiding, without connecting with my creator. And by the way, busyness is not one of the fruit of the spirit. Not sure if you noticed that, but busyness is not one of the fruit of the spirit. But how easy is it for us to get caught up in busyness? How many times I ask people during the week, hey, how's it going? Oh, man, just life's so busy. You know what? You have a choice. (laughs) You have seeds, and you have a choice. You have a choice to manage that busyness. You know, I'm all about being productive and being effective for the gospel and doing great things for God, but don't forget to abide in him and rest in his presence and receive his strength and his power. Because apart from him, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. See, the fruit is all about the root. We can't have the good fruit without the root, and the root is Jesus. The root of all that we need is Jesus. And he is at our doorstep with a fruit basket, (laughs) and he is offering us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and he's saying, receive it receive it we can't produce it we can't produce it but we can sure plant seeds plant seeds of faith and all of a sudden we find ourselves just walking to the beat walking into the rhythm we're in sync with God and we start making decisions and we start making these choices that reflect our creator reflect our savior and all of a sudden we just find ourselves loving people and being gentle with people and having self-control Jesus says this, he goes on in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. We heard a story a couple weeks ago on a Friday around four o'clock. We heard a story that broke our hearts. But we heard a story of heroism. We heard a story of somebody who laid down his life for his friends. And there's no greater love than that. When somebody loves us so much that they would lay down their own life for us, greater love has no man than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. That's what God has done for us. He laid down his life for us. He took our place when we deserved death because of our sin, because of all these seeds of fear. He laid down his life so that we could live with hope and joy and peace and have all the fruit at our fingertips. If you want to bear fruit in your life, it all starts with the root. Plant a seed of faith today and produce a life of fruit tomorrow. Plant a seed of faith today and produce a fruitful life. What you do today is who you will become tomorrow. Plant a seed of faith. I want to invite uh, my friend Jim to come up here. Uh, Jim Schmidt, everybody.
1: Good, I was, to I'm good to see you too. Have Happy to you. Father's Day. I was yeah. so afraid the dance music was going to play when I walked
0: up. It. I'm good now. You, you need some intro music for the next service. Uh, well, like I said, I, I thought it'd be great to hear from one of you. Um, I mean, we're all in this together. I'm not any different than you, I'm not on this pedestal. Um, we're all trying to figure out following Jesus together and how to bear fruit. But I thought it'd be great uh, to bring Jim. He's become a great friend of mine. He's Um, partnered with with me and and just getting small groups up and going if you're in a small group uh, uh, the brains behind the operation is really Jim and Mike Strock who's out there Uh, but Jim's a dad uh, dad of of two two boys and so I thought I'd I'd ask him to share a little bit about what love means to you Jim and just how how that how that fruit looks in in your life as as a husband as a dad Um, so go,
1: go for it yeah so um for me, I think the key feature that has changed my life was understanding the, uh, uh, the, the unconditional nature of love. Um, so if I'm not working for God's love, if it's already there. That changes my life. That changes my whole purpose in my life. So in parenting, I think my number one goal is for my kids to understand that they are unconditionally loved by God, but also by, by me and by Kim. Um, you know, the, the, the life skills we teach them are secondary to them walking away from, from our family knowing they are loved. That is the greatest freedom. So... Um, you know, for me, I try and remind myself of the word done, and that means not that God's love is over with, it's that it's settled. So, so parents, do you ever stop and consider, oh, do I love my kids? No, you don't have to stop and consider that. That is settled, right? And that's how God feels about us. So my goal is to do that for my kids. And uh, we were at the baseball park yesterday. Both our kids were playing in, in championship games, and um, they lost, right? And I was thinking, you know, if uh, we were celebrating with our kids, if they'd won the championship, and that would be great, and that would be kind of fun, and that would be love, and that would be parenting. But when the kids lose, that's where it gets a little bit messy, and that's really where the unconditional love comes in. Okay. So uh, I don't know how much adulting you had to do after that with your child. But um, you know, the kids, when they fail, whether they fail at sports, whether they fail in relationships, whether they fail at school, when it's messy, that's when we need to jump in. And, and it's when it's hardest to jump in, because we're uncomfortable in those situations too. We want to just say it's OK, or we want to say, you know, why are you upset about this little thing? And, um, embracing that messiness. I mean, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, so he was all about messy love. So, so for me, um, it's the messy times in life when you can show your kids that you love them unconditionally, and that is uh, that is freedom for them. Mm,
0: that's great. That's great. How do you how do you balance uh, discipline, you know, uh, and just drawing draw a hard line and keeping the standard high uh, for your kids, um, but then grace.
1: Uh, I. It's really hard. I'm not sure I do a great job. Um, it helps having having a wife who, and we have different perspectives, and together we get it right. So um, doing it together is helpful when that's possible. Mm-hmm. But um, I think always keeping that at the root of love. So when I am I'm having to correct my kids for something something big or something little they didn't do chores. Um, I need to make sure that it's not about it's not about me. They're not vying for my love. My love is certain. It's that it's important to make your bed. It's important to keep your word. So it's. Mm-hmm. Um, Never, never compromising the love, making sure that that is clear in your message. Because when you're emotional and upset and frustrated, it's easy to get that message wrong. Hmm,
0: that's good. And not all of us are parents in this room, but I think we all realize that life is full of difficult decisions and we need community. We need help of others to help us journey through the, the decisions that life presents itself. So tell me more about small groups and just community in general and how important that is as we figure out how to how to choose God's way over, over our way.
1: Yeah, so, so parenting. Is hard and it's scary and um, it takes it takes faith and it takes it takes courage and really the only place you can find faith and courage that is rock solid is, is having that relationship with God and that takes prayer and it takes a group whether that's a small group here or some surrogate group where people are walking through life, because um, it's just hard. You need that accountability. You need that sounding group. You need to uh, you need to study every day with devotionals or or Bible. Uh, you need that teaching to keep you close to God because that is the only source of, of courage that will get you through the hard times, those messy times.
0: One word of challenge for everybody here. What would you give us?
1: Um, my word of challenge uh, is to be a re-gifter. Um, there's opportunities to love and serve our families and people outside of us every day. And, you know, when we give these gifts, we're giving something away. We're, we're always weighing what it costs us. That's what we're trained to do. But I want you to think of these op- service opportunities as just regifting Your time, your love, your your energy, those are all gifts from God. You're not giving, this costing you nothing. You are just re-gifting what God has given you. And so if you think of it that way, that really frees you up to, to give freely.
0: Good. Thank you for sharing. Well, thank for sharing. you. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, yeah. So the closing challenge today is to plant a seed of faith today because it will produce a life of fruit tomorrow. I want to be a part of the fruit that happens here in this place. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for all that you are in our lives. You are a God of love, agape love. And as you have loved us, may we love others. Just as you have laid down your life for us, may we lay down our lives for others. May we walk in step with the Spirit this week. May we plant seeds of faith over seeds of fear. God, may we choose your way over our way. God, we love you, and uh, may we stand in your love.